Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favorites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we will be discussing Arca's latest project, Kick, Richard Dawson and Circle's album, Henke, the new LP from Mac Homie, Hot Candles, and DJ Sabrina, the Teenage DJ's new release, the Making Magic 2 album. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list of albums on our website, www.modulat.io. You can also find us on Twitter at modulat underscore io. If you want to support the podcast, then please consider giving us a follow on Twitter or subscribing to us on your podcast provider of choice. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan. Hello. So, I mean, uh, we were discussing, like, before the last episode, I remember, and I sh- when we were kind of going to do like an end of year episode or whatever, and mm. I was I was thinking, oh, there probably won't be too much coming out in this sort of window, uh, and I I, th- I think I was very much wrong because we've got <laughs> we've got some some pretty great albums to discuss today, and I mean I think you've got quite a few shoutouts of stuff you listen to. Yeah, I was really surprised at how much stuff there was. Um, I I looked at I looked down the list and. And there were like maybe two or three things at first and then they just kept adding on and on and on and I ended up with about 10 things I liked so I've had to cut down the list a little bit just to, uh, to get it on here but yeah yeah very um, very excited to be to be talking about some stuff um yeah. I guess before we start I'd like to bring up that you know for for listeners who maybe didn't catch the very end of the last episode uh we are currently doing a vinyl giveaway on Twitter um so there is a, a post pinned on our modulat underscore io account, uh, which you can you can find, you can follow us, uh, you can like, retweet, and tell us your favorite album of the year to, to enter to win some vinyl by low. Um, specifically, a uh, Hey What, which is their album from this year. Uh, this might not be our favorite album of the year, but it's definitely an album that is going to be in uh, both of our top fives. Um, yeah, and yeah, for sure. It's actually an album that we could get get a hold of. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, for, for shipping reasons, we're keeping it to uh, UK, Europe, America, Canada, because that way we can find a distributor in those countries and just ship it straight to whoever, to, to, to whoever wins. But um, yeah, we're sort of very excited about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, it's really exciting. And as, as Harry mentioned, that record is absolutely amazing. Definitely, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it's definitely in my top five uh, for... <laughs> uh well at least the the of the list i've drafted for the end of year but i think yeah it's, it's definitely going to be in my top five yeah so things are changing quickly you never know <laughs> for sure um so now we've got our, that out of the way i know you've got more shout outs to me so maybe do you want to like start first yeah sounds good um yeah so my my first shout out is uh for a a new album by it's a it's a a sort of combined effort between Felicia Atkinson and uh, Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma. And the album is called Anive Anive en Plein Ete. Uh, this is a ambient tape kind of project, um, leaning into sort of aspects of music concrete and drone and field recordings. Um, and it's it's a really cool little ambient project. I was really surprised by how much I got out of the, the kind of simplicity of this one. Um, I've heard a little bit by these two before. Uh, they did a album together three years ago called Limpid as the Solitudes, which I thought was quite good. Um, but I haven't heard any of Felicia's work outside of that. I know she's, I think she's fairly pr- prolific. Um, but I have heard Jeffrey Cantu Ledesma's album Love is a Stream, 
which I think is one of the well, probably one of my favorite uh, drone albums. Um, it, it's really cool. It's a really, really good album. And actually, uh, I was brought onto this album by, uh, I believe it's Pete Swanson of Yellow Swans who recommended it. And I think Love is a Stream is a really great, great sort of parallel to some of the Yellow Swans, to some of the, the best Yellow Swans albums. So um, go check out Yellow Swans, but also go, go check out this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really good. that's fantastic. I mean, those are two odds I actually haven't heard of and I, I didn't catch those. I didn't mean I didn't catch a ton of releases this week mainly because of sort of the the heft of the uh mm. of the main releases we're going to be talking <laughs> about which we'll get into later but uh that sounds fantastic and yeah huge recommend on on yellow swans uh one of my favorite bands uh the first first record i wanted to mention is the new sort of album tape record from uh rap ferrera aka uh or FKA Milo, I guess. It's called um, <laughs> The Light Emitting Diamond Cutter Scriptures. And uh, yeah, Rap Ferrer, he's... Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it for the last decade, putting out some of the best uh, abstract hip-hop around. And yeah, this is just another really great tape from him. I think uh, I preferred it uh, to the one he put out earlier this year, which was called Bob's Son, which I thought was still pretty good. I think this is definitely better than that. I think it was pretty comfortably within the range of quality i would expect from a sort of less grandiose release from him uh obviously records like performing light pages and uh so the flies don't come are a sort of a level above that in terms of the i guess the production value put in and the time and effort taken on those records but in terms of like uh in terms of the more sort of smaller scale releases that he's put out, I think this is one of my favorites that he's done recently. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend this if you were if you're into Pop Me Like Pages or just anything anything he's done previously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was fully expecting this to be one of my uh, one of my two picks for the week uh, at the start of the week, and there's just so much other stuff that came out. I, I you know, we ended up picking those albums, but this one is really really cool. Um, it's a great R.I.P. Ferrara project. If you liked Bob Sun at all or Purple, Purple Moonlight Pages, this is just more really great, jazzy, high uh, high quality, high production value uh, abstract hip hop. So it's really, really great stuff. Um, I have got a shout out uh, for the band Kataya, Kataira, uh, which, you know, it's. I think it's becoming apparent that I don't really uh, speak to people at the moment because <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have to say band, band names out loud very much. Uh, and the uh, album is called Imparikipe. Um, this is a folk metal slash uh, black metal, I would say, uh, album from... But, you know, I actually don't know where, where they're from. I think they're Brazilian. Um I'm not sure. I guess they would be. I, I've, I've on the on the radio music descriptors is classified as Brazilian folk music. So I think there's some influences there that, uh, that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, but it also leans into some some more sort of atmospheric and, and minimalist sounds as well. Um, I think this is a really cool metal project that takes the genre in a in a different direction, a direction I maybe haven't heard before. And I think it explores some really interesting sounds. Uh, in particular, the last track on this one I think is. Uh, absolutely stunning i think they, they did a really great job with this one um it's not really you know I've, I've not really heard of this band before so it'd be cool to see what they do moving forward from this one 
Yeah, no, I, I I saw a lot of hype around this one. So yeah, this is definitely one I'm going to be checking out at least before um we sort of finalize our end of year stuff because it looks really cool. Mm. Um, the next one I want to shout out this is this one was a bit older, but uh, I didn't have too many, so I'm I'm going to throw this in there. But it's really great. So you know, uh, this is uh, it's an EP by the artist Akiko Haruna. It's called Be Little Me, and this is uh, a project that sort of exists within the space of i guess like i would say sort of deconstructed pop music but also uh there's elements of techno there of of glitch of uh i guess hyper pop uh and i I think this was a a really great release for me because it, it felt kind of like a the best attempt I've heard so far at making that kind of, I guess, spoken word techno thing that like that Aya record was doing from earlier this year and that Marie Davidson record from a couple of years ago was doing that I liked in theory, but didn't quite work in practice for me. I think this was a slightly better attempt at doing that. And yeah, I, this is an artist I hadn't heard anything else from, but uh i'm definitely looking forward to what else they put out in the future because i thought this was a really cool little project awesome yeah i i hadn't heard of this at all but i will uh, i will be checking this one out because it looks great um so my next shout out is uh for the album de Lange marche by the artist gas this is uh god it must be the sixth or seventh album from ambient techno legends gas um they're a German outfit, and they, they produce just some of the highest quality uh, techno in general around, I'd say, not just ambient techno. Um, they lean into fairly interesting concepts in, in their albums, and I thought this was one of the better ones that they have released in the last couple of years. I haven't been a massive fan uh, of some of their more recent stuff. I think after you recommended Roush, I went back and listened to that one again, and it's definitely grown on me from, from before, but I think this is a big step up from some of those albums. So uh, This felt like more of a return to form for me um, in terms of exploring the textures. It's kind of a hard one to describe, but I think this is just worth go 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 and listen to it, and you'll, you'll sort of... It's probably the best way to get to grips yeah. with some of, the, uh, some of the ideas that are going on, because... Um, I think I'd need a philosophy degree to <laughs> properly break down some of the, some of the stuff going on here. Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you, but the, maybe some of the more recent gas stuff has not been super great in comparison, but I don't know. I think you can't really go wrong with, with a gas record, I think. Pretty mm-hmm. consistently at least good and always going to give bring that kind of ambience and texture that you really that you, you really want from that kind of record. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Gas. So yeah, if, if you haven't heard any of the records, go go check out some of the, the earlier stuff. I think it's, mm. yeah, pretty consistently fantastic. So the last record I wanted to shout out uh, is, there's another Destinamic Shrouds uh, Mixed Club release. This one's called A Quiet Reset. Uh, this one is kind of um, like Tech Honors, doing his sort of radiohead type thing uh i'm not sure Mm -hmm. how well the the sort of vocals work especially in the the first half of the record but i think when it seeps away into a more ambient sort of style in the second half i think it uh 
really delivers some of uh the yeah the, the most interesting some of the most interesting stuff text done in that sort of direction before so i think maybe there's some parts of this that don't quite work but i think uh the ideas are there and i think i i really i really enjoyed what what they were what he was trying to do on this thing and i think especially the second half really sort of pulled that off uh for sure nice yeah, I, uh, I haven't had a chance to, to listen to this one either, actually. This is one I'd like to go and, uh, you know, as soon as I'm sort of really going through the Tape Club releases, uh, I think this would be a good one to go back to just to kind of complete the set, if anything, because um, the rest of it has been so great. So, uh, yeah, nice. Um, so I've got another shout-out for the artist uh, Shinichiro Yokota um, and his new album Tokonoma Style, I think. Shinichiro was uh, sort of blowing up a little bit in 2019 with the album I Know You Like It, which has this really iconic uh, album cover with him standing in a tracksuit over like some turntables, um, which you know, if, you're, if you're into this kind of music, you'll probably have seen around. Uh, and this is a, a follow-up to that. I don't know if it's as good as that album, but I, I think it is really solid and definitely has its own merits to some extent. Um, there's a couple of duds on the track list that I wasn't really as into, but I think the last sort of run of songs, especially the song Space Station, uh, were, were amazing. So there's definitely some really cool stuff to, to see here. If you're into Deep House, or house music in, in general, you can't really go wrong with uh, Shinichiro Yokota. So yeah, highly recommend that one. Um, am I right in thinking you're you're out of shoutouts? Yeah, now? so keep keep going if you got more. All uh, right, I'll keep them going. I have got two and a half more. Uh, so uh, next shout out is for the artists Death Sea and uh, Messiah Music, and their album Trapdoor. I hadn't heard of either of these artists, but this uh this showed up on my timeline somehow and i was actually really surprised by how good it was it looks like it's flown under a lot of people's radars um it's an abstract hip-hop album uh and a collaboration between what looks like two fairly fairly prolific artists and sort of maybe more underground scenes uh and i think it actually to some extent rivals some of the production production qualities and uh and um just the overall like sort of concept of uh, of some of the bigger albums that we talk about. So we're going to talk about Mac Homie later, and we've talked a bit about um, about R.I.P. Uh, uh, Ferreira, and I, I think this actually stands pretty much toe to toe with some of those albums. Uh, I think I've just got a little bit less yeah. to say about this one because I don't <laughs> necessarily know the history of the artists as well. But definitely don't 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 miss this one if you're into abstract hip hop. Get on this; it's really good. Uh, um, I, oh, and, I, I, I and do also just want to. Club. <laughs> oh man, I do just want to. I do just want to mention that. Um, I mean, uh, it's funny you should mention that because uh, Messiah Music does have some production on the Macomi record we're going to be talking about later. So, uh, ah, yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, no, he's a very prolific producer. Who's yeah, who, who if you look through credits, they'll definitely be on on records that you like if you're into that sort of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. That, it kind of surprised me because I, I thought the, the quality of this was so high. I was really surprised that I hadn't heard them before. But, um, yeah. you know, I think in hip-hop especially, the uh, the pool of talent is so wide-reaching that, you know, you can discover really amazing artists all the time. You know, even like five years into being, you know, seriously diving into music and exploring as much as I can, I'm still finding great stuff all over the place. So uh, I was really, really impressed with this one. 
my other main shout out is the artist underscores and their new uh i guess it's an ep it's called a uh, boneyard aka fearmonger um this is so so um earlier in the year they released an album called fishmonger which was um i guess like indie pop hyper pop kind of stuff um it had the single spoiled little brat which i thought was uh, incredibly teenage hyperpop, but yeah, it's kind of good. It's, it's, it's kind of fun. I like the music video for it. It was like, looked like they were having a great time in that. Uh, and similarly to the Dult DLTZK Dultzuk record that we talked about a few episodes ago that I liked and you weren't so keen on, I felt like this was also a much more mature attempt at a sort of indie rock kind of album with hyperpop and indie pop influences um and, and i think they actually do a pretty good job of pulling off pulling off a sort of slightly mature songwriting style in some of these songs um it's very short and i would like to see um it fleshed out a little bit more because i think they're they're onto something with this and i think this could be uh the sort of beginnings of a really great uh, album in the near future so I, I i thought this was really good um and then i guess last of all uh i'd like to give a shout out to beach house again this is the second of four shout outs i'm gonna have to give to beach house um <laughs> who uh have been releasing the tracks for their album once twice melody in uh quarters so uh on i want to say Three or four days ago, they dropped tracks five through eight, Runaway, ESP, New Romance, and Over and Over. And I thought they were great. I thought it was just, you know, it's really, really continuing um, with high quality, lovely dream pop. Um, I, there's no way I can really appreciate this until all the songs are out, but I'm enjoying it so far. So uh, that might be one to, to check out. Now that there's eight songs out and you can listen to half the album, it's not like, it's not the worst time in the world. It's like 40 minutes already. So, um, It'll be interesting to see how it develops with the with the last two sections. Uh, yeah, awesome. So I think with that, we will, uh, I want to move on to uh, the main albums for this week. And well, we've got we've got more than usual <laughs> because uh, <laughs> to start with, we're um, we're gonna be talking about the new Arca releases. Uh, so Arca, um, Venezuelan experimental music icon, has put out put out four records uh last week uh it was bizarre i remember seeing like a few weeks ago saying like oh kick four has been announced and i was like wait hang on two isn't even out yet so yeah um <laughs> it, as a sort of follow-up to last year's release kick one uh which was probably my favorite arca record to date and i think the one that the one that's definitely connected with me the most personally mm. um She's seen fit to put out four sequels to that in Kicked 2, 3, 5. Uh, and yeah, they all came out at varying times last week. Uh, so it's been quite, quite, a lot of, quite a lot to take in. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how you sort of felt about that sort of release schedule. And mm. it's definitely a bit imposing being like, oh my God, there's four new Arca albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i found this one incredibly daunting i listened to them the each one the, the day they came out because i believe right. they released like one yeah, day after another so yeah there was the a sort of a stagger then, to it 
Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So that, there was a little bit of time for it to sink in yeah. for each one. But um, it's a lot of music to go through. You know, kick two is 33 minutes. Kick three is 35 minutes. Kick four is 36 minutes. And kick five is 41 minutes. So a little over, that's like two hours, two probably, and a quarter hours. Probably around, music. yeah, two and a quarter, two and a half hours, I'd imagine. Um, and that's not even including kick one. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> which is another 40 um, minutes or so. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this album. I haven't had a chance to listen to all of them back to back, which I would like to at some point. Sort of yeah. really get, get, get a complete, comprehensive vibe for this album. But um, yeah. I think it really does a good job of exploring a lot of ground in that time. You know, it, it, yeah. never, it never feels stale. It is constantly evolving. And so we saw fit to... Uh, to rate this and to just you know to, to review this as a as a whole project as opposed to just picking like our favorite yeah for sure i mean uh i did actually get the the chance to listen to them all sort of in a row and it definitely does work in that sense though i think i think uh one kit one definitely feels more detached from the other four uh yeah. in a sense that i'll maybe go into in a little bit more detail later but um, I think it probably makes sense to maybe just talk about these in a row first before sort of giving an overview. So, I mean, to start with Kick 2, uh, this, uh, I think of the of the new, the these new four records, this is probably, I think, maybe my least favorite, but I also yeah, really liked it, agree. and I think I liked it more than one, to be honest uh okay yeah i i i really enjoyed this thing which is surprising given that i've just said it's probably my least favorite of these four but um i think uh it was consistently pretty great it sort of the first half is this sort of relentless sort of barrage of i want to call it like dream reggaeton it was <laughs> very strange and the I mean, if you've heard, heard reggaeton even once, that like clap, kick, clap pattern just absolutely drills into your brain to the point at which it almost becomes like a drone, uh, which I thought was really cool. Uh, but then it sort of takes a switch up around at the track Aranya, which is uh, this sort of cubist nightmare. It sounds almost Orteca-esque. Uh, and that, that was definitely my my favorite track on this record. And then it sort of uh, goes into a more post-industrial direction from there, with the exception of the the track Born Yesterday, which features Sia, which I'm not really sure why it was there. Uh, <laughs> I thought it progressed really well. Uh, I, I think, mm. I, I don't think that track really fit in terms of the progression of the records. Uh, I didn't even particularly dislike it. I mean, uh, surprising, unsurprisingly, I'm not too much of a Sia fan, but I thought it was like fine. Uh, but I think it's it pretty, pretty cool that she's on it. Um, yeah, it, it's cool that she's that's on it. Probably where my fascination ends. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think it it sort of stunts the record in terms of its uh, in terms of its flow and its sequencing a little bit. I think maybe if it had been in the first half of the record, it would have worked better. But having it as be the second last track between two of the most, I guess, uh, progressive and sort of lush tracks on the record having like a sort of pop banger didn't really fit there in in my opinion 
but yeah, I, I, how did you sort of feel about this one in particular? You know, I, I actually, I really liked this um, when I first listened to it. But in retrospect, uh, I loved the next three so much that looking back at this one, I, I'm sort of like almost like disappointed that it wasn't up to the levels of like three and three and five specifically yeah Um, i i definitely i definitely feel that for sure (laughs) and that's part of why we wanted to do the whole thing yeah because like i think it gets better as it goes on yeah um yeah i i would probably write this similarly to kick one and kick one was not my favorite arca album um i really like the self-titled one and what's the ep called Maybe it's not even. Maybe it's what a mixtape. There's a mixtape called like uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and 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 and. Yeah. Or the five ampersands. Oh, it's ampersands, not at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's from like 2013, so that's a much older one. But uh, I really okay. like that tape. Oh, there is also a single which is five ats. So. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> which Sorry. was released. It looks like that was just released as a single. Yeah. Yeah. But it was an hour long, um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, maybe I am thinking of that. I, I don't know anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've always been a fan of Arca's work ever since I heard some of the, some of the other albums, so I was very excited for this. Um, I thought K2 was great. Um, I really liked the sort of more industrial influences, or post-industrial, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, the, the IDM stuff, especially on um, on particular tracks and wherever it came up i thought it was really great so yeah tracks like aranya and femme and muñecas mm, yeah, yeah yeah nice yeah absolutely um but I, yeah again i i really wasn't into the seer seer samples <laughs> or the seer feature I, uh, yeah it was like very lukewarm on that um yeah that, that's but, definitely you know, it was cool um <laughs> it was it's also like any all of these projects they're not super long by themselves so you yeah. can just go and listen to one and it's like it's not an ordeal um yeah for sure i would say this this is the one that i think is the least of, of the of the four new ones this is the one least worthy of attention um yeah but as but a whole project I, I definitely think it adds to the whole project you know see i would i would say even though i think it's my least favorite i think honestly you should both listen to it and listen to it before the other ones. Yeah, Just I, I do because um, sort of moving on to three now. I think what really clicked for me when I was listening to these two back to back earlier today was that I think um, the in the first half of of two, she sort of. Uh, she's sort of almost laying the groundwork she's presenting this like uh post reggaeton sound that has a slightly more interesting uh sound palette and i guess production style but it's a bit of a facade in terms of it's not maybe like in terms of actual writing it's not doing too much on top of what you'd normally expect from the genre whereas i think three completely shatters that the sort of rhythmic conventions and the sonic uh, palette of, of what you would expect from that kind of music and just regurgitates it into something completely bizarre. Uh, but also it, it still, it's still audibly, I guess, influenced by it. Uh, I think I, uh, when I was writing some some notes earlier, I described it as almost like this this record felt like a bit like a ship of Theseus in that every 
every sonic and rhythmic aspect of what you would normally expect from the genre has sort of been has been swapped out and changed into something far more left field but you can still tell what the original blueprint was even after you have this monstrous cybernetic evolution of it uh and i think two is kind of key into understanding that because it feels like a little bit of a midpoint between uh what you normally expect from that kind of music and something way out there like three uh and i think yeah listening to those back to back helped me really appreciate that uh yeah i I don't know how you felt about it but for for me i think this was uh arca's by far her best attempt so far at sort of trying to blend latin electronic music and uh experimental stuff i think this was definitely uh yeah i think this was maybe my favorite of of the of the four new records and yeah it's probably between that and five for me but we'll get into that uh, how did you how did you feel about this one in particular uh i do agree that i think this is either the best one or the or nearly the best one um i think this is where the project really comes into its own as something like really special uh and also it was the point in the album listening where i first got the um like fx twin vibes tiny bit uh, oh absolutely there's a, a few things on here that really made me yep. go like like wow this is like exactly what i love about those albums and uh and i think it's doing it really well on its own terms with the latin influences so um i think there's some really really amazing stuff there there's some really great standout tracks but they they're almost all great standout tracks there's, yep. there's very very few um moments on this that don't work i think incendio in particular and uh senorita um Actually, you know, looking through the track list is loads. Yeah, there's... That's a a very hard one to do, but uh, I think there's, like, tons and tons of really, really great tracks. Um, It's just so consistently, like, innovative and exciting and creative, um, but it never feels like it's doing those things for the sake of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's perfectly into the project. Yeah, um, and I definitely uh, agree with you when you mention about Apex Twin, because I think... The tracks Skull Queen and Electro Rex in particular, the 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 synth pads on that sound straight out of selected ambient works eighty five to ninety two, like it's mm. I'm not even it might be sampled I don't know it sounds like exactly the same, it's incredible. But then also I think on the the latter of those tracks you have these like flash core style synth stab rhythms that like like oh so we've sort of got Aphex Twin and like xanopticon at the same time uh <laughs> and that kind of blew my mind a little bit i thought that was uh another fantastic standout track and as you mentioned i think there are there are so few things on this record that i would say are weak at all i think this is yeah now that i'm maybe talking about it i think i'm kind of convinced myself that this is my favorite uh mm. although i think five i did not get to spend enough time with as i would have liked but uh, as I've given this one quite, uh, I think, a couple more listens, I, I, yeah, I absolutely adored this. And I think uh, it was a real, yeah, I, I think this is, this is a sound that Arca has been trying to nail for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of her releases, even the past three, four years, there's been at least a couple tracks on them where she's trying to do this sort of, um uh bizarre avant-garde uh 
version of like Latin electronic music. And I think this is this is the project for me where that's finally translated into something really special for me. Yeah, I completely agree. This is definitely the one I want to go back to the most. Yeah. I feel like it's also the one with the most to uncover. Um, the other, uh, you know, all, I think all of these projects have so much to, to offer, but to me, this one feels like it's got the most layers and the most complexity to really pick apart. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm very, very much looking forward to listening to this one, especially, you know, moving up towards the... I've got, I got a place... I've already made my top 100 list, and I've got to place this in it, like, <laughs> yeah I, this this one's definitely gonna be up there for me i think i've already undenied so much about like what i'm gonna have to kick out yeah i i don't know what, what, <laughs> yeah i don't know it's very hard <laughs> this is why i didn't do my top 100 until after and <laughs> until after this episode um well i wasn't planning to do it until after this episode but yeah i i think uh even sort of the closing tracks which are a little more uh serene and post-industrial uh sort of adjacent I, I thought were fantastic. And I think this this record in its sequencing also mirrors Kick 2 quite well. This almost, I don't know, this almost feels like the evolved version of Kick 2 <laughs> in a way. And I mean, you sort of see by, uh, I mean, I can't believe we haven't mentioned the album art yet for any of these. I was thinking that, yeah, I, I, I thought we could maybe mention this at the end, but I think I yeah. mean, anytime's good, you know. It's, yeah it's it's amazing that the album art of these is absolutely incredible i really want like a box set of these or something just so i can have like yeah these sort of weird mutated um cybernetically enhanced sort of cgi versions of arca herself and that they just look so bizarre um yeah i'm a huge fan of the art of, on these and yeah I, I think a lot of it uh sort of bringing forth that that art sort of brings forth and evokes themes of i guess like you know sort of transhumanism and i guess cybernetics and stuff like that and when you sort of have those themes in your head it definitely feels like this is a project that is yeah as it goes on is evolving and changing in an absolutely bizarre fashion uh so uh was there anything else you wanted to mention about three or do you want to do you want to move on to no, four i now? think happy happy to look at four yeah yeah, so uh, four was one. I four four is probably I would say the weirdest records out of out of the five for me, just because I think it has some of the highest high points on mm -hmm. any of them, but also is probably the most inconsistent. So I'm I find it really difficult to rank. Uh, this is the uh, one of the most collaborative of all of them, I, I believe. We've got um, we've got sort of features from Shirley Manson of Garbage, uh, Oliver Coates, who put out the record Skins and Slime last year, which uh, was one of my, I think was on, on my top 100 last year. I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and as well as Planning to Rock and No Bra. Uh, and th this this one, I really like the, the ideas and direction that uh, she's trying to take on this thing. Because I... I don't know whether you would agree, but to me, this felt like Arca trying to do dream pop. Um, yeah, sort I of would, lo fi I, yeah. dream pop stuff. This definitely felt like, I mean, this is like a much more considered album compared yeah. to the, um, I don't want to say bombast, but like, 
whatever was going on in, in Kick 3 it really toned down coming into yeah. this one. Um, but I actually loved it for that. I, I really liked the, uh, the the tonal shift moving from project yes. to project here. And I was surprised to see that the reaction to this one was more negative than I was expecting. I think this yeah. this one is also like amazing. Um, like you said, you know, there's some uh, some really high highs on this one. Oh, I do agree that it's it's, it's definitely the least consistent. Um, but like tracks like Xenomorph Girl and yeah. Isuna as well, like which comes before that, and um, a couple of the tracks at the end as well, like Lost Woman Found, were were, were fantastic. There's some really really cool ideas going on. Um, and I think yeah. the, the sort of more poppy influences are really suited to this kind of project. Yeah, I, I, it, it definitely reminded me of uh, a lot of, I think, I, I almost want to relate it to sort of like Claire Rousset's poppier stuff in that it had this sort of lo-fi singer-songwriter dream pop and electroacoustic vibe to it that just sort of melded into something bizarre that I, I really enjoyed. I think... Some of the vocal features were kind of jarring and didn't really work. I think uh, the main thing that holds this record back is that I think the tracks Queer and Witch were not particularly good. I think they're probably maybe my two least favorite tracks across all of the five records. I, I didn't really enjoy them at all. But you, you mentioned about uh, Asuna, Xenomorph Girl, Haya, uh, Bokui, Flohia. Uh, and Lost Woman Found are some of my absolute favorites across the five records. So, yeah, I, I, I think other than... I think it's just the main problem with this record for me is that there's... Some of the vocal features don't quite work. I think uh, Shirley Manson uh, sort of spoken word thing on Alien Inside, I think that works really well. But mm. other than that, I wasn't super keen on what was, was done on those, those tracks. And the fact that they were back-to-back -back really, I think was the biggest problem with this this record for me uh but yeah I, I think this record is really unfurling it's has a real unconventional beauty to it that i think was uh yeah i thought was absolutely fantastic i really want to hear arc do more stuff like this because i feel like there's a lot more potential uh in this sound uh the the I, yeah it's something that i haven't really heard before from anyone i mean i could say that about three and five as well but you know uh yeah I, I i i really appreciated this record and like you i was very surprised that a lot of people seemed to be more negative on this one and i yeah i'm not really sure why uh but yeah i i i, I definitely love this one for mm -hmm. sure yeah cool. um do, do we want to sort of move on to the final record now god this is yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah so um kick five right so this one, as I sort of mentioned, why I would sort of recommend listening to them in a row is because I feel like um, it sort of peaks very well in the sense that uh, Kick 2, sort of from Kick 2 onwards, Kick 2 is like, I don't know, it feels like the prototype for 3. 3 is just completely insane. 4 sort of goes into sort of a more art pop, dream pop direction and then five takes it down even further into like something minimalist and neoclassical in mm. a way that again i've never really heard arca do something like this and i was really surprised when i heard this record uh i mean i think the first thing i don't know about you but when i saw this record the first thing that i 
looked at was that uh, this record has Reichi Sakamoto on it, on the track yeah, Sanctuary. Yeah, I was very excited about that. And yeah, I was super excited about that. And you can you can definitely hear his influence all over this thing. I think this is, uh, in terms of, uh, th- this record has a lot of prominent sort of piano playing and uh, the, I think a lot of the metal, melodic aspects feel so inspired by Sakamoto's soundtrack work, which is, right. I mean, he's made some of the absolute best soundtracks of all time. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I thought that was really cool that he was also involved with this because it f- it feels so indebted to him in terms of the actual content. Yeah, I really agree. And um, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with uh, Richie Sakamoto, um, actually, I don't know why it's what just, uh, I think Thousand Knives, Thousand uh, Knives. Richie Sakamoto was an absolute classic. Uh, he did, I'm just quickly looking up his, uh, his film scores. Oh, he did Last Emperor. Last Emperor. That, is, that is a great one. Yeah, yeah. And and also go listen to every Yellow Magic Orchestra album. Just yeah. just do that and just yeah. do that anyway. That's- <laughs> also, also the um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence score is amazing. Uh, nice, yeah, yeah. I mean the the main theme to that is like one of the best songs ever in, in my opinion. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I maybe let's. I don't know. This has already been going on quite a while because we've already had to go through four records. So maybe let's not go on a full <laughs> all right, all right, Sakamoto <laughs> thing. I mean, we can we we'll have we'll have a chance to talk about how much we love Richie Sakamoto at some other point. But okay, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's I, I, this this one, at least personally, again, it had some of my favorite tracks across the whole set of projects, especially uh, tracks like Estrogen and Amrap and Musculus. On Crown as well. Uh, yeah, I, I really loved uh, a lot of the tracks on this thing. I think the, trap Amrap, the track Amrap in particular uh, had this uh, dabbled in that sort of uh, uh, post-minimalist progressive electronic direction that reminds me a lot of like early One of Tricks Point Never, but sort of moves into a more jilted post- post-industrial space as it goes on. And I thought that was a really interesting take on that sort of on that sort of sound and aesthetic uh and i think some of the more beat oriented tracks were integrated better than in four i think they felt mm. the heavier and more chaotic parts which were fewer and far uh fewer and more far between on this one felt i think better integrated and more part of the album's identity than on four which i i felt maybe felt tacked on at times um but yeah, I th- this was the record I spent the least time with, and I'm kind of sad about that because, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was this or three was definitely my favorite, and I think after this I'm going to go listen to it again because I I really really <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add about five in particular. I just think uh, for for me it's the most cohesive um, project of, yes. of all five of them. I think it is uh, an incredibly beautiful album just on its own yeah. merits but then also with the context of the of the projects that come before it um i don't know i think i think that adds a lot to it and i think it's it's a stunning achievement um for Arca to when you look at the history of her work and then look at where she is now with this as her most most recent release i, I think this is a an absolute like marvel it's it's incredible um 
I don't, I don't have a huge, huge amount more to say other than that. Other than this is, this is just absolutely essential. Uh, the, the last two songs in particular, Fire Prayer and Crown, uh, I think is a really cool way to end this, this project. Uh, and I'm just really excited to see. Yeah. I'd love to see some more. So, so something, uh, something more like this because, um, it's definitely not a space that she's explored as much as she needs to, in my opinion. Um, whether she will, who knows? I guess, you know, we might go back to crazy Latin IDM uh, uh, first. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely right. This is not a record that I ever expected Arca to make. And I think if you told me Arca was going to make a record like this, I definitely wouldn't have expected to be anywhere near this good. And being, I think this is definitely one of, if not her best record i don't know uh yeah as i say i i definitely echo your sentiment that this is a, just a really fantastic achievement and uh yeah I, I think this is one this sort of release of albums in general i think it's definitely one of this year's most essential sort of things to be put out i i i absolutely love what she did with this so um yeah uh, i think we spent an extremely long amount of time on that because it was obviously four <laughs> albums so uh do you want to do you want to introduce the next record we're going to be talking about yeah absolutely uh so the next record we are going to be talking about is the collaboration between richard dawson and the band circle and it is called henke uh so this is collaboration between uh i don't know, don't know if i'd use the word legendary but you know sort of cult cult hero i guess He's yeah He's cult very... hero is absolutely the right word um cult hero richard dawson uh is the the bard from the north as some people might might know him um who has released some amazing amazing records in the last decade um most notably peasant but the magic bridge and the uh, nothing important 2020 i think are all uh, incredible incredible um avant folk albums and he has teamed up with a Finnish band, Circle, who are sort of these very prolific um, psychedelic rock slash kraut rock, kraut rockers uh, from Finland, uh, who were very um, prolific sort of during the 90s and then moving on to the early 2000s. So um, between the two of them, they have released a crazy amount of music. Uh, Richard Dawson has actually released i i would maybe say more music than anyone else this year um because he has had his project called uh bull bills which he started with um collaborator sally pilkington which uh they they've released um probably like closing in on a hundred albums i'd say um over the lockdown period they, they they're all fairly short little projects where they you know come up with a funny idea record a little bit of music and stick it on Bandcamp. but they've been putting together uh, music and ideas fairly consistently um throughout this uh, and also you know he sort of collaborates with a few other bands um he released uh an album recently with the band uh hen ogled um which i also kind of liked but a lot of these are like very very little projects hen ogled has a great single on it called tip trip brackets trip to the tip um, which is a song about going to the tip. Uh, it's a very, I don't know, it feels like a very British Northern song. Um, so these guys are like crazy prolific. And the fact that they uh, have been able to find time out of releasing these little funny projects that they're doing um, 
and you know, Circle, I don't think Circle are doing as many small projects, but the fact that they found time to put together this album, I think, is is crazy because um, it is so, in, in my opinion, it is so fleshed out and um, fully realized that it sort of blew me away. Um, and it's probably one of my favorite albums of the year, I'd say. I will, you know, add the caveat that this is my sort of shit. Uh, so anything kraut rocky with an avant folk vibe i'm like really really into uh so you might not get as much mileage as me if you're listening to this but i think this is a really cool project um and actually it got a little bit of um it got a little bit of exposure lately because famous bold man uh the needle drop reviewed it uh very recently gave it a nine out of ten so um that's like pretty high praise from him as well, which generally is like <laughs> what tends to get music exposure these days. Uh, I've rambled on for long enough about how much I love this band. Um, how did you find this one? Are you yeah. like massively familiar with, with Richard Dawson's Circle? So uh, I'd never heard of Circle, to be honest, okay. but uh, I, I w- I'm not going to pretend to be like the world's biggest Richard Dawson fan, but I love Peasant. I love 2020. I love The Magic Bridge. I haven't heard anything else. Uh, so yeah, I- I'd heard three of his records, all three of which I thought were fantastic. And yeah, I, I just really like, I-, I absolutely love Richard Dawson's sort of vibe. Uh, this, yeah, just sort of Geordie who makes these bizarre and... <laughs> I guess his songs feel very real because they feel so grounded a lot of the time in just mm. like really silly things. And I think that's, that's I, I just think he's one of uh, one of the most consistent and uh, interesting songwriters currently active. And yeah, yeah. I feel I, like he's so interested in like the minutiae of life. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And it's really lovely to see. I really like it. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's absolutely fun. one of my one of my one of the things that I feel like really helps me connect to a lot of music like that is yeah, just just having a lot of uh, just having a lot of respect for small details and and little things. I, I think really can really can help have tracks that maybe you would otherwise be a bit disconnected from have a real emotional impact. And uh, yeah, it, it, so it means that even when, uh, you know, they're doing this bizarre uh, concept record about fucking gods, like stuff uh, with these weird sort of synths and kraut rock stuff, it's like, oh, this is, this is still centered in a pretty, I guess, emotional and tangible uh sort of yeah like like an idea like there are there are emotionally tangible ideas behind this that can be affecting even if everything else going on is kind of a little bit silly uh and i think that's generally to me been the appeal of rich and dawson's music even outside of uh you know like a record like this where he's sonically doing something a bit silly i think um there's definitely an element to that in his music generally. So for him to collaborate with sort of a kraut rock, prog rock outfit definitely adds a level of like sort of a, a bit of cheese on the top, which which I th- I think is pretty cool. I, I think uh, in terms of how I thought about this record in general, uh, 
I think uh I think the best tracks were amazing, but there were some that I feel like didn't quite do it for me. Uh I think the tracks Ivy, Sylphium, uh, uh Methuselah uh were all absolutely amazing. So my my favorite recent releases from Richard Dawson, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I think I mean to be honest, even the tracks I didn't enjoy as much, I think Rich Richard Dawson is just such a good songwriter that it's hard for them not to be pretty great, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think some of the tracks were maybe given a bit too much space and time that wasn't used very effectively. I think, especially some of the more instrumental sections, uh, felt like maybe that there would have been a Richard Dawson song written and then sort of cut up, and there have been these space prog instrumentals sort of stuck in the middle that it didn't really feel like it was going anywhere uh, to justify that sort of, I don't want to call it indulgence, but y- you know what I mean, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I-, I definitely felt that on some of the, the tracks that I didn't enjoy as much, like uh, like Silene and the Closer Picture. I think maybe, yeah, I think there was maybe a bit, too, there was maybe a bit, yeah, may- maybe just not quite enough focus at times, but, I think that's also kind of the appeal of this record that it's maybe not as yeah maybe not as focused as some of his other works so there's more room to do mm. sort of fun stuff so uh, yeah I, th- I thought this was definitely the most fun record I've heard from him uh, and I, I really enjoyed the sort of sonic territory but I don't think uh, I don't think they quite clicked songwriting wise I think maybe this is something that I'd like to see them do work together again and maybe they'll be able to hone it a little bit better. But I think, yeah, I, I don't know. That was just my feeling. But I definitely I definitely understand being really into this because I think at the core, pretty much every song on here is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really funny that you um, you bring up that they have sort of different, almost feels like they, for, for me, I, I sort of liked the dichotomy, but, um, but that they had sort of different, approaches or different styles that maybe didn't like meld together perfectly um because uh so i went to the i i mean i say i attended I, I joined a zoom call um for the uh this is for the listening party for this just after it came out um where basically it was like two of the guys from circle and richard dawson and they were just like chilling on webcams and uh, everyone was listening to the album together and I just couldn't couldn't stop laughing for it because um, the guys from Circle looked like they were really vibing and just having a nice time, like chilling out, listening to the album. And then, like on the other hand, um, every like two minutes, Richard would just like type in chats something like, "Do you want to see my?" He said, "Do you want to see my my tardigrade?" And then the chat were like, "Yeah." And then he like disappeared from the camera for a minute, and he suddenly came back with this gigantic stuffed tardigrade that he had. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that to me is almost like indicative of yeah. the, the sort of <laughs> serious not not like serious but like focused kraut rockers on one side and then like a sort of more um whimsical yeah. uh you know uh aspects of, of Richard the, the the to me I really liked I really liked the way those two sort of bits played together in the music but I can definitely see you know I can see what you mean when <laughs> when they sort of they felt like they had different priorities going into it. yeah yeah I I think I think that's that's the best way to put it is that maybe they I think at times they weren't 
sort of yeah prioritizing the same thing it didn't seem like they almost had the exact same goal of what they wanted to make but i think that that meant that they came through with something really unique because i don't think i've heard a record like this before and i think as i think i'm sort of alluded to i think there's definitely a lot of potential in in this sort of thing uh and in this collaboration in particular i think uh yeah it's not something i would have expected to have worked and it this well i think uh and i still don't think it completely clicked but i i think that's fine honestly i think there was some some absolutely fantastic standout tracks on this thing and, yeah 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 definitely uh, yeah i mean yeah I, I think i probably ought to listen to more richard dawson records because as you sort of mentioned he's got he's got a pretty big catalog and i haven't actually heard <laughs> a lot of them uh, I, i'm gonna be honest i think you've probably heard most of the important ones okay um I think that the Hen Ogled record, just for the one single tip trip, is um, is worth it because that was sure. really funny. But uh, it's not; it's very, very like not serious. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess like I felt like this this um could have been carried by the vocal performances alone, um, and like for me personally, the crowd rock side just like added stuff on top of that and i actually found it kind of weird because I, I i listened to this like four or five times and then i went back and listened to peasant because I, I was suddenly feeling like i needed to go listen to peasant again and i found it really um jarring <laughs> listening to peasant without you know which has like no crowd rock obviously uh and then like like what on earth am i listening to this is so weird um <laughs> I think just because my brain had been like tricked into thinking that Richard Dawson sings on top of crowd rock guitars. Uh, I don't know. That was, that was, I found it, I found it kind of weird going between the yeah, two. Yeah, I, um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, there's definitely overall, that, yeah. that sort of element of, of crowd rock where you get so zoned in. Like that's the, you know, that's the whole appeal of it. You're really just like, it's so primal, right? Uh, so yeah, for them, yeah, yeah. Um, to go back to his other records, which are so skeletal and really, I think, very patient and use a lot of negative space. That, that I mean, there's no negative space in crowd rock, right? I think that's <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, something that I would imagine would be super jarring. So yeah, I, I think sort of you having mentioned that now has made me realize how like yeah, how a record like this really shouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh but i think it mostly does i i definitely i definitely enjoyed this thing i think uh yeah um i i, I don't really have much else to say about this other than that i thought it was pretty good so uh do we want to move on to the next record or is there anything else you want to mention uh, i think that's it i think i will say if you're interested in um mythology or the natural world i think there is some really interesting stuff to read around this album um so yeah I'll uh, on the website. I'll I'll link a couple of articles about it because um, the sort of higher concept, which we haven't really gotten into a huge amount right now, but um, regarding like, like, well, like um, sort of mythological tales and the natural world and and the plants that they're named after is quite interesting. So um, if you're into that kind of thing, then I think you'll you'll get a lot out of that. 
yeah yeah i i did i did have a little bit of a look around that and i didn't quite have time to sort of go deep on it but i think maybe <laughs> next time i listen to this record i'll probably it's, have... uh, it's not it's not the lightest of reading it's a pretty dense topic but um, yeah, but yeah no, it's good. I'm, it's good. I'm not surprised i mean this is it's something at least i personally found very find very interesting so what i could pass from it i thought was very cool uh thematically cool. yeah so, I'm, uh, I'm happy to move on from there yeah it's, so to move on move on to the next record uh this was one that i don't know if was it was it a sort of like was it a surprise drop i didn't see any it was a surprise drop okay. yeah 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 <laughs> I, I saw it out and i saw it because a couple of people I follow on twitter were talking about it and i was like wait a sec there's yeah. a new there's another matt Comey release yeah so th- what, we're, what we're talking about here is the uh new record from i guess notorious underground hip-hop sort of mastermind mac homie's new project called balance cho hot candles uh so as you sort of alluded to just then mac homie put out uh, a record earlier this year called pray for haiti uh and yeah just in general in general mac homie i think is one of the most notorious and interesting members of the sort of current hip-hop underground He's put out some of uh, some of the weirdest and most interesting records in that sort of sphere over the last few years. Records like uh, like The Gap and Haitian Body Odor and uh, Wack on George from 2019. I thought were all fantastic, as well as yeah, Max Hard Lemonade as well. I thought was great from last year. Uh, and uh, this this one, when I was going into it, I thought I was really excited because. Uh, I like Pray for Haiti, but I, I didn't love it as much as some of his his best material. And uh, when when this got announced and I saw it, and I think I think Mac Homie really works best on short projects where he can really nail down a concept and just sort of really center everything around that and be in and out quite quickly. Uh, I think my yeah my favorite projects by him uh the gap what con judge definitely ha- and and max hard lemonade as well all have that sort of uh sort of approach to it in how they were created they're very short short but sweet records that feel intensely focused on um on the kind of thing he's trying to do on that record in particular and this was uh now that i've listened to it i think this is one of the most interesting and I think standout records in the Matt Comey discography because I uh, this is this one feels I mean uh, to anyone sort of who anyone who is sort of familiar with Matt Comey will know that he's very I guess elusive and is is pretty I guess I don't know uh, protective of a lot about his his sort of identity other mm-hmm. than sort of his his Haitian heritage which is very uh commonly referenced on his records but this one this is a really personal album and a really uh a really introspective record and it was something that i was just absolutely not expecting from him uh i think that he has done stuff like this and stuff that tracks in particular sort of told me he would be able to pull something like this off but i don't think there's been a full project like this um in his discography that comes at uh comes at these kind of topics consistently uh throughout the entire runtime uh in this manner 
And I thought that was really, really interesting. I, I don't know how you, you felt about that. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I thought Pray for Haiti was a really interesting album and it's definitely grown on me a lot. But I, I wasn't in love with it. I thought it was, I thought it was just good. Yeah. Um, whereas, whereas this album, actually, I, I, I loved uh, when I listened to it. I thought it was amazing on my first listen. And actually, I think there's a ton to uncover. You're, you're definitely right that this is probably his most introspective album. Um, and so there's a surprising amount to, to, um, to dig into, especially when you consider that the runtime is 23 minutes and um you know it's 13 tracks but almost half of those are, are interludes or like little little skits or something so um of the of the actual 13 songs it one two three four five six seven eight so just over half of them are, are sort of fleshed out tracks um so there's really not a huge amount of raw material to go off of and the amount that he's able to build with so little is a is a really sort of impressive feat i'd say um i'm not as familiar with his discography as some people you know um yeah he's like like, like you said being elusive he's uh he's been notoriously uh <laughs> difficult to get a hold of his uh his music in the past but actually a lot of it's on spotify now and so yeah. it looks like this is a, a sort of interesting turn as um as these albums become more accessible to a lot of people. I think the only major release which isn't on Spotify is The Gap, which is also probably like one of his best ones. Uh, so that one is still worth seeking out. But um, you know, yeah, you can go back and listen to like most of the most of the discography. There's there's really worth you know like necessary listening um, just on Spotify, which is great. So it's interesting yeah. to see this sort of surface a bit more. Um, although good luck, good luck getting a copy of anything on vinyl. Like don't, don't even, <laughs> if, if you're new to yeah. Mac and you like vinyl, just just give up now. It's not going to. Yeah, happen. don't. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. But um, yeah, I, it's it's interesting you you mentioned uh, the the sort of interlude sections because I think that was something that really added a lot of personality to this record. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, a lot of it, are sort of these really short like 10 second snippets and samples of things that i'm not sure where they're sort of sourced from but very highly referential to sort of haitian culture and his yeah his sort of upbringing and, and life in a roundabout kind of way that I, I thought was a really great way of centering a record like this um i i, I think um in talking about this album, I think the the first half I think is pretty good. Uh, I th I think on the the first couple track, the first couple main tracks, Labo and Separation of the Sheep and the Goats, uh, I think were maybe the two of the weaker tracks on this thing. Not to say that they were bad, but I think some of the hooks felt a little bit antiquated and maybe one hundred percent there. But I think in the second half, this album just absolutely becomes one of one of my favorite hip-hop records in in years i think um the sort of last uh four sort of main tracks are all some of the best material uh, max ever put out in my opinion mm -hmm. uh and sort of talking about that i want to specifically start with wooden nickels because i think that was yeah i think that was probably that's i mean it's only been out 
you know, not very long, but I think even less than a week, that's sort of become one of my absolute favorite Mac tracks, personally. I, I really I enjoyed that agree. one. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I um, it, oh, it, I think, I think it, it's part of the reason that maybe some of the earlier tracks feel a little bit weaker is because they're then followed. Like, I think if you just had like Separation of Sheep and Goats by itself, I think it's a, I love that track, but yeah. um, but uh, Wooden Nichols and Sofla as well. Yeah. Um, at the end are just like uh, just crazy they're, they're absolutely absolutely crazy songs yeah i think the the sort of storytelling and i guess uh themes on the track wood nichols are sort of absolutely amazing talking about his experience with i guess sort of his his family and i i guess to do with like people's how people support each other and or the lack thereof and people just like i guess not compensating others for what for the amount of work or money or time that they put into stuff they've done for somebody else and uh sort of ideas around i guess um yeah uh, uh, it's 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 really emotionally potent i would say because you can definitely feel and understand his his frustration of um sort of questioning the ideas of why why should people do this why should people help each other why should people um uh, work together in that kind of way mm -hmm when i've come from it from this experience that like really almost invalidates that in a way and obviously it's not like completely saying that that's what you should do but it's like a really interesting way of exploring that concept because i think um yeah it reminded me that track and i think this album a lot in general especially with the production reminded me a lot of of uh car in how yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i think how the storytelling worked the fact that it was slightly more i guess introspective and the fact that there were so many yeah i, th I think the storytelling was very subtly emotional in in a way that uh i really really appreciated i think the um this idea of like his views on uh money and compensation is really interesting i think it it's, it's clearly something he believes in when you look at like for example most controversially like um how he prices his albums yeah um because so so you know again for, for people not super super familiar with the artist um he charges like 500 dollars for uh, a vinyl copy of his album um and his belief is that it's a work of art it's a piece of art and so it should be treated like any uh painting it should be done in a in a limited run a limited press it's not you know it should it should be treated as like a like a commodity and if it's if he's gonna treat it like a limited commodity he should be the one who benefits from that and you know a lot of people who just want to buy the plastic get really upset about that but um i think they're i think they're missing the yes. point and i, I yeah. think it's like you know it's easy to criticize the consumerism there yeah. because if you're just upset that you can't have the shiny thing, I think you're missing the point that he's yeah, trying to make. Exactly. Um, which is that his art is valuable and 
we do treat art and music, music in particular, um, is really bad for this. It's like super disposable stuff. Absolutely. Um, and so taking the time, I think, to, to, to really like appreciate that and give it the value it deserves, I think is really, it's a really interesting idea. And it's also not something many other artists are doing. Yeah. Like, um, Rory Ferreira yeah. is like one of the, uh, the few other artists yeah, who, I, uh, who I mean... sort of thinks that way. I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up actually because um, I remember having this conversation with quite a few people uh, when the vinyl release for Purple, Moon, Purple Moonlight Pages came out. I think it was priced at around like eighty dollars, and uh, people were super mad about it. And it's like <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like people felt a sort of entitlement to having a specific physical copy of it. And it's like, it, I don't know. It feels like, especially when you're an independent artist, yeah, 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 that can't always be how it works. And I think if you're sort of saying that that's them sort of leaning into a consumerist attitude, you again, you're kind of missing the point. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I think it's a really interesting conversation and one that I have a lot of time for uh, mm. because it's something that's always really can often be approached really reductively by people who are just like, I want things to be, I want this thing, you know? Um, and and, and th I feel like this is the first time I heard that sort of mindset addressed in a track. And I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I really appreciated that because I think it's something, yeah, that, that you can have a real, really interesting and deep conversation about. Uh, so to have that being presented in a track that, again, also has that real emotional bleed to it, I think, was was absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, and the other track I wanted to mention in terms of the themes, uh, which you also brought up, was a, is a track Self-Law, because I, I absolutely love this one, because I think I think a lesser a, a lesser artist would have made this this cheesy, but it absolutely did not come across in that way. It's like it's like an anti-grind anthem <laughs> uh, of, you know, just like, I, again, it, it's almost like uh, he's positing this sort of theory of value by which he's saying, okay, you should also treat yourself and your body and your health as a commodity as well as mm. everything you're producing. And you, 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 have, to, you have to recognize that actually the value that the sort of quote-unquote value you're producing in being on that grind and hustling 24 7 is not actually is maybe not worth it to that extent if it's having negative effects on other things and i mean there's a fantastic line in it about like eating gas station hot dogs in the back of uh in the back of a, a limo i think that's like uh it's yeah it's so funny to me because it it's such like a kind of a crude example of like a really deep and interesting sort of way of thinking about the world and about yourself. And yeah, I, I, re I really appreciate it. I, I think that was a, an absolutely fantastic track with some really great themes to it. No, I think it's a really interesting um, philosophical topic to bring up. And I think it really demonstrates his uh, maturity um as an artist to be able to to look at this from such a sort of introspective and interesting angle um because it's like 
this this idea of time as a commodity in particular um, is only something I've ever heard discussed in the context of billionaires. Yes. And it's like this idea that why would a billionaire ever do anything for themselves? Because um, every second they're not working is like money lost. But I, I think it, it should be applied to everyone. Um, you know, like this idea of like, I think it's wrong to okay no it's not always wrong but like i th- i think i think it should be i think we should be more considerate of of this idea of like the time we have um and i i and again i've never seen this idea addressed on a record yeah <laughs> you know yeah we, no. we, without without it being really cheesy and kind of like, oh yeah man you know like yeah you know, exactly <laughs> yeah you gotta love yourself but, you know um <laughs> yeah so it's it's a really interesting one and um i don't know i, I guess my like overall feeling on this album is that it feels so earned uh to make an incredibly dated uh, an already dated pop culture reference um uh i always think i have been thinking more about the uk tv show the rap game lately um and and what what i hate about it and what i really what i don't like about it um because and and i want to add this is not something i ever like was really like super in love with but you know it's lockdown you watch a lot of tv um and on that show they do challenges where they get the artists they get these up-and-coming artists to do they're like oh yeah say for, for this challenge you're going to do an introspective song about uh you know something sad that's happened to your life and whenever they perform these songs they always come across so like unbelievably shallow and like uninteresting to me personally um and listening to this made me like realize why 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 none of those uh the, those introspective performances seem like worthwhile in any capacity and it's just not earned you know you can't have i think i think when you look at an artist like this who has achieved so much um while also being so um guarded about his persona and his music and then and then to come out with a with a with an album like this afterwards i think it is like so much more valuable to what the listener gets from him if that does, does that make sense yeah absolutely i think you there's that you definitely get an understanding of uh you, you get almost like a secondhand understanding of his sort of uh persona behind his persona and i guess uh sort of general philosophy from the records he's releasing before this uh Mm. sort of in in a way that's sort of not deliberate because you can't i feel like especially in like hip-hop music you can't really put in order to make good music in that sort of genre you have to put enough into it from yourself that you can't there can't be you can't have total detachment because otherwise it wouldn't work i feel and Mm. that that sort of sort of bleeds into his other works even with his sort of very i guess yeah like elusive sort of profile so then when there's sort of that bedding in there for then him to release a record like this where he's really taking advantage of that and just going full in on yeah about uh his his personal philosophy and things that have happened to him and his his family and his feelings and his i guess like uh heritage i think that's really yeah i think it strikes so much more of a chord because um 
I, I think I think uh, what I'm trying to say is that he's sort of got to a point where he knows he can make incredible music and has had great success uh, making music without putting that essence of himself into it deliberately. So he's obviously made a very considered decision to do that now, right? And the fact yeah, that yeah, he's yeah. the fact that he's gone and released a record like this in the context of his discography to date really tells you how much about it tells you so much about like how much he wants this record to be the way it is and how deliberate it is and i i really appreciate that because i think it definitely adds another dimension to to yeah how um how this how i responded to this record at least yeah i completely agree yeah um I feel like we haven't actually talked too much about the the record in terms of how it sounds. Uh, I think the production is uh, it's pretty s standard for what you'd expect from a Matt Comey record. A uh, bit more, I guess, uh, down tempo, a bit more uh, lo-fi and weird. But I think generally, uh, yeah, I, I think if you're if you're into Matt Comey, if you're into uh, sort of weird abstract hip-hop this is such an essential release i think this is this album is so so good one of my absolute favorite uh matt comey records and that's only after like a few listens to it i really think this is one that will also probably grow on me the more i hear it and yeah i i i can't recommend this one enough yeah completely agree yeah I agree more yeah um so if you haven't got anything else to add do we want to move on to the last record for, for yeah let's do it so um <laughs> if you thought if you thought Arca's release was was long, you haven't <laughs> heard anything yet. Uh, okay, so this is the uh, so so my my second shout out is going to be sorry second shout out my second album of the episode is going to be for the new DJ Sabrina the teenage DJ album called the Making Magic Two album. Um, this is the oh I think it's the sixth it's the sixth full album release from DJ Sabrina, who is a um, sort of outside-the-house artist uh, based in London. Um, DJ Sabrina appeared on the scene in a big way a couple of years ago. I think 2017 uh, was when the first Making Magic uh, album came out, and has since then released just crazy amounts of, uh, of house and outside-the-house um, uh, and I would argue some of the the most essential um, albums in the genre have come from her back catalogue, which sort of culminated last year with the album Charmed, which was actually, it's one of my favorite albums of the year. Um, I thought Charmed was amazing. It's <laughs> it's the first album in a, in a while that inspired me to buy like a cassette tape uh, release, even though I have no way of playing it because I just wanted to support the artist. Um, so... Seeing this was coming out, uh, I was very excited. It's the sequel to her first uh, full release, which was fantastic, and also the you know the most recent release that's charmed. Uh, and then on top of that, she also released the Other Realm, which is um, another full length album that came out the same day, uh, which again is outside the house. It's a, a slightly, I'd say, 
darker, more moody album than, than the Making Magic 2 album. We're not going to go into the other realm today, but I will say, if you like Making Magic 2, uh, go listen to the other realm as well. It's got a worse album cover, but it is uh, still fantastic. Um, so, how familiar were you with DJ Sabrina going into this? Had you heard much of her stuff before? So, um, I never... So, right. Basically, I've heard uh, quite a lot of dj sabrina tracks but i'd never mm. sat down and listened to an entire album because they're all really long uh, <laughs> uh but what, what i'd heard i'd really liked so i was like oh okay doing this is a really great excuse for me to justify sitting down and listening to house music for two and a half hours and i i really liked this thing i thought it was great uh, and I think I'm definitely going to go back and check out some of her earlier releases after hearing this in full, because I think, um, yeah, I, I think despite being like a two and a half hour uh, project, which is yeah pretty daunting, I think this is I think it was definitely worth my time for sure. Which is I think for a record in this length at this length is one of the best things you can really say about it. Um, I I I really enjoyed how uh this she had this this sort of really bouncy outside house french house sound that was passed through this sort of hazy filter that um really gave it an a more i would say more interesting personality than a lot of the sort of contemporary house that i hear because i think there was definitely a more interesting sonic palette. And I think when I listened to the this record, uh, it reminded me a lot of... Th this this record, to me at least, and what I've heard from DJ Sabrina in general, almost felt like... Um, it, it feels like almost a response to like the sort of future funk thing that happened sort of around like 2013. Uh, I feel like this... Uh, this was a record that sort of yeah so I mean to sort of explain future funk for anyone who isn't familiar I mean that's a sort of vaporwave <laughs> offshoot that uh, largely consisted of like really sort of upbeat like house and I guess like disco music that was um, and funk obviously that was sort of sample like 70s tracks and really just almost like cut out all the fat so it was just like it's just the good bits you know what i mean <laughs> mm. um and obviously it sort of progressed more and more into something a bit more interesting than that but it, it initially sort of started up as like just like yeah um disco and funk edits that were just like so snappy and digestible uh with lots of fantastic loops and this this record to me felt like taking that philosophy in terms of okay we're gonna like we're gonna reduce this style of music into like the most digestible formula and this felt like taking that and expanding it all the way out again but only from the bits that you'd left behind the other yeah if that makes sense uh so i i mean a lot of the tracks on this thing are super long like mo so many are like seven minutes plus which is, you know, maybe not what you would expect from, like, I guess, uh, a dance record like this. But I think 
all of all of the tracks really well not all, all of them but like most of them build and sort of are structured in a in a way that i think really justifies uh each of them being that long which was so surprising to me i think uh the best example of the top of my head was the track lose myself which was probably my favorite on the record yeah, yeah, yeah. uh which had this like really heavily processed vocal sample that was super buried in the mix and it almost like acted as another like synth line uh and it reminded me a lot of like yeah more sort of more adventurous uh vaporwave sampling techniques uh and everything was just looped to perfection and it it built and added so many layers as it went on that it just like yeah i, I think one thing that really um that really i noticed and i think makes a lot of these track the tracks on this record so fantastic is the way that i think a lot of them don't reach sort of critical mass until like six seven minutes into them yes, you, know, you know what i, I mean agree, like agree that, there, there yeah. are more and more layers and uh interesting loops and ideas being added constantly uh through like tracks with like eight nine minute runtimes that you really don't see in this kind of music uh that i i really really appreciate it because it 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 melt it meant that these these yeah these really long tracks did not like went by so quickly and I, I i thought that was absolutely fantastic yeah i actually had a very similar experience with charmed which was part of my sort of reasoning for, for loving it so much was that um i think it's like some of the quickest long music <laughs> i've ever listened to <laughs> uh it just does such a good job of making that time disappear um and i think for me part of why that is is that DJ Sabrina has this uncanny knack of uh, sort of recognizing when which which songs are weaker and should be filler, and which songs are the core songs, and then dragging those out and really exploring those sounds in particular. So, like an example of this, I'd say is um, songs like "Don't Miss That Flight," "Paradise," which I didn't enjoy as much, and those songs tend to be three to four minutes. Whereas yeah. you compare that to the songs either side of them, like Be Ready, uh, Lose Myself, Being Alone later in the album, which are the ones that are drawn out to 8, 10, 12 minutes. Um, and so you end up with a sort of slicing um, of uh, shorter songs that break up those longer ones. That yeah. Of- that, that, that carry you between the two and then the longer songs where you know she really explores those ideas and goes into her own and uh and that's where the the uh, i was gonna say that's where the magic happens and i i i didn't i didn't do it um <laughs> yeah uh, i i think i think the the sort of mixing between those those two ideas is really key to this album's success um and it's a formula that's, that's, that's been working for four god what year is it four years four and a half years for her. Um, I think it's sort of, it's not gotten old yet, this idea. So yeah, I'm really, really impressed that it still sounds so fresh after this long. Yeah. Uh, and you, you mentioned that. I, I think one of the other main things I noted, noted down about this record is how I really thought, with sort of one major exception, I thought the, the sequencing was generally fantastic. This thing uh, flows like a DJ mix. So it really mm-hmm. like keeps everything going at full pelt and 
it's it feels so fluid and i think again that really helps to make it feel not like a two and a half hour long album uh yeah i, I think the and the sort of balance between longer and shorter tracks is definitely a huge part of that uh i think the the sort of yeah the the the, the shorter tracks definitely still have their place in this record they're not like complete filler but uh I, there's definitely an understanding on the artist's part that, yeah, which, which tracks are, yeah, what, what should be focused on and what are the key parts of the experience. Um, and I mentioned one specific exception because I think my only real major complaint with this record was I'm not really sure why the last two tracks were there. Uh, because I think... Uh, in the back half of this record, I f it, it sort of goes from a more, I guess, dancey and maybe a bit bittersweet territory to like something even a bit more sort of sadder or I guess um, very, very sentimental, I would say. And uh, I, th I think uh, it really gets on a fantastic groove from in that sort of uh from that sort of approach from being alone onwards tracks like uh love is a piercing there is and miss me and one day and especially princess really carry that vibe absolutely fantastically i think there are so many tracks in that sort of run from like track 12 to 20 that feel like would close out the record incredibly and then we sort of have these these tracks uh back to back and music which will last to which really sort of jump away from that sort of vibe and kind of feels a little bit unsatisfying to me i don't know i i i i didn't really think it worked in terms of the sequencing because it really sort of took me out of the the sort of vibe that had progressed as this album had gone on on more of like a macro scale uh, I yeah, don't know I how think you... you should. Um, I think you should check out Charmed, uh, the the previous album, because I think this is something that that album did way, way, way better. Um, so I, I do agree. I I thought the uh, the last two songs were were like good. I thought they were good, but they yeah. didn't really fit as well as as close as I thought. Yeah. Whereas Charmed finishes with the two songs Charmed Life and End of an Era, which are 14 and 13 minutes each. Um, and I think those, those songs are like, apocalyptic is the wrong word because it's not an apocalyptic album. But but like, it's, I don't know, in the same way that like, like Ever at the End of Time finishes with like, right, okay. unbelievably like uh, like almost like emotional like closer i think yeah for a sure. house album those are two of the, the, the most emotional sounding house uh, songs i've ever heard especially after because because that album's three hours instead of two, yeah. two and a half so it's even longer um, <laughs> but that, that album does an unbelievably good job of closing and so in comparison to that i definitely agree that this one is, is a little bit weaker and uh yeah i'd agree that that is maybe my my only complaint uh, about this one yeah i i think and as i say i think it was just a bit frustrating because i felt like especially the track princess felt like such a natural closer uh it was one of sort of the most uh emotional tracks on the whole thing and i yeah i think it was definitely uh a real standout for me and i think that would have maybe i don't know yeah it would have finished the album on a note that i i feel like would have yeah given me a more positive feeling towards how it ended for sure 
Um, have but, you um? Oh, have sorry? you seen that image? Uh, have you seen that image from the the share zone? And it's like the skeleton, and and it's just got on the screen like you can just leave. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess I can just leave after I listen to that track. That's I mean that's probably what I will do to be honest um, when I listen to this thing again. But as I say, I don't think they're bad tracks. I just don't think like I just don't feel like they're in the right place, uh, especially because no, I, I'd agree. Especially yeah. because the the vibes and the feelings uh, of the back half of this record feels like they're it feels so specifically constructed to work that way that it's just kind of puzzling to me why it's like that because i don't know it feels too consistent to be a fluke right uh throughout throughout that sort yes. of run of tracks prior to those but um yeah i think other than that this is such a this is such a fun and interesting record to just sink into i i really think this is yeah, I think in terms of really long records, I think this is definitely one of the one of the best ones I've heard recently. In terms of, yeah, uh, being able to justify that experience in a way that feels satisfying and feels also that I feel like I think in terms of really long records, I think the question I always ask myself when I'm listening to it is. Is the length of this record necessary to put across the ideas and feelings that the record was trying to do? And I think uh, this record definitely does do that because it has that sort of progression as it goes on. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think especially in the back end, I feel like listening to an album this long kind of emotionally wears you down a little bit. So I think it definitely takes advantage of that. But uh, yeah, I think generally yeah, this was a really great record and has made me go, okay, I should, I should really actually go listen to the rest of the sort of classic <laughs> DJ Sabrina records because I've been putting it off for way too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, this is not the sort of record where I can name standout tracks, but I would not recommend you listen to them as singles. Even though she she did release a, a the Making Magic Two singles album, um, but I, I don't. I'm not sure. I maybe there's something different, you know, to the songs that, that she's changed. But if it's the same songs just as like singles, I don't see the point because um, I think this album really needs to be experienced as a whole project to get. Otherwise, those those songs just won't be the same. Like it's you're just not going to get the same effect from them. Right. Um, I think it's uh, honestly insane how fresh these songs feel, considering the fact that she released five DJ mixes this year. Um, and all of so D Dakota Style, Rising Star, Life Fast Light, To the Max, and Amity Spirit are all an hour long over the year. And then, you know, on top of this, also releasing The Other Realm, which is another, it's like, this one's two and a half hours, that one's an hour and a half. So that's like, nine hours of music this year um you know people like we're losing the shit over king gizzard releasing five <laughs> albums in a year and this is like significantly more music yeah uh, and also significantly better <laughs> uh yeah but you know don't want to attract yeah. too much hate i don't want to shit on king <laughs> well I, I mean i mean i generally like king gizzard but i think other than i think a couple of those records those were pretty not great <laughs> well yeah that's that's the thing is that i i, I agree i really like king gizzard um 
But by album four, I was feeling so burnt out from that yeah. five year that five year run. And by episode five, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Whereas this one, uh, these two albums came out, and I was like so excited. I think they really <laughs> deliver on everything they mean to. So yeah, um, you heard it here. TJ <laughs> DJ Sabrina is better than King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yeah, that, that's, that, there that, we that go. That's a fact. That's factual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's a really great place to to end it. Uh, I, I think so. Too. Saying that DJ Sabrina is better than King Gizzard. Uh, two two of the two of the bizarrely most bizarrely long uh, sort of artist names uh, around at the moment. So <laughs> to to close it out, uh, we want to talk about. So I think we're doing the album of the year episode next, but I think we still had a few more sort of upcoming releases over the next next couple of weeks we wanted to mention. Yeah, so, so we're actually uh, recording this slightly later in the week. Um, so some of these are coming out tomorrow. Uh, and then I'm hoping I'll get a chance to um, to uh, edit this so, so it'll be up in a few days. So hopefully these will be out by the time we edit these um, and, and, and you're listening to this. But the first album that I am excited for next week is the new Corey Feldman album, <laughs> Love Left 2.1. And I am legitimately excited for this. I'm not joking. Um so, you know, Corey Feldman, most people will, will be uh, familiar with his project from 2016, Angelic to the Core, um, which was this legendary masterpiece of a trash, trash fire album, um, most notably made famous by uh, the Needle Drops review in which he tore it to shreds. Um, that album was absolute garbage um <laughs> but but it's it, you know it's, it's one of those albums that wraps around from being bad to being good um everything in it is so broken and terrible that it, it it's just accidentally like a masterpiece um and so this is the the next release since that one came out so i'm, I'm really excited to see what comes out of this one it looks like there are four albums plus a making of d sorry sorry, sorry four discs plus a making of dvd um, and then a special feature called Corey Feldman, Artist, The Man Behind the Love, um, which sounds amazing. Uh, and one of the tracks on it is called Lethal Lolita. So oh, this this could, <laughs> right. this could be this could be awful. Um, it could be so bad it's good. It could be so bad it's bad. I don't know. I'm very excited to listen to it though. Yeah, I. I mean, what what do you even say about Corey Feldman's music at this point? <laughs> uh yeah uh, utterly bizarre i'll probably listen to a couple tracks and be like oh my god i can't believe he's still doing this um and then be like okay i've probably got more things i should be listening to but um yeah so sort of on my side i think um uh this was one i i mentioned i think a couple episodes episodes ago but it got sort of delayed in its release uh it's which is the new masada quartet release from john zorn uh anything released under the masada name uh composed by john zorn is something i'm going to be interested in uh with that being some of his his best work in general uh, so yeah i i um yeah I'm, I'm really excited to 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 see what is on this record because john zorn makes great music <laughs> yeah completely agree um i i love john zorn uh, we all love john zorn and this will, I mean, hopefully it'll be weird and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I can't imagine it being bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I've got a album I'm looking forward to, which is the album Blind Date Party by, uh, it's going to be a collaboration between Bill Callahan and Bonnie Prince Billy. Um, he's a folk rock artist uh, who separately have produced some of the most renowned albums in the genre. Uh, Bill Callahan, most notably um, with Sometimes I Wish We Were an Eagle, which is just phenomenal. And Bonnie Prince Billy, uh, most notably with the 1999 album I See a Darkness. And they are collaborating. There's some really interesting... Fe- it looks like there's a, a different feature on every single um, track of this thing. 19 tracks, 19 features. Uh, and some of the more notable ones include David Pajo, who has released some of the most important post-rock music uh, of all time with Slint and Tortoise. And Ty Seagull, who's, you know, sort of mega prolific psychedelic rock legend um and all sorts of other people uh, i think there'll probably be something something worthwhile on this uh, i hope it goes well for them yeah I, I didn't know this was happening but this sounds really cool for sure I, if if i'm not too caught up in my sort of album the year catch up like oh i've got to make sure i listen to everything that's something uh, <laughs> i'll keep my eye on um another one which i think you might have mentioned last episode but isn't actually isn't actually coming out for a couple of weeks is new prolapse record it's called ultra cycle part four hibernal death uh prolapse collaboration between machine girl and bonnie baxter of kill alters uh yeah they, they put out three records already this year which are all two hours long this one will also i'm assuming be two hours long uh i really enjoyed the other three records so i'm assuming i'll enjoy this one as well yeah, um, I gave a shout out to this too early and jumped the gun, so this is the correct time to give a shout out to it. Uh, this one looks really cool. I really like the the single that they released for it, and it's got the best cover art of all of them. By yeah, that one's really cool. I love the cover art, um, which I think was done by Hashim Brucher, um, who I know as the third member of Lightning Bolt, who was never really in the band. Uh, oh. I think he's done some. He's probably done. He's probably done some other really cool stuff, but uh, uh, I know he was like on one of their really really early demos and then uh, left the band oh that's interesting i didn't yeah <laughs> oh there you go that's <laughs> some interesting trivia right there uh, you... uh okay, sorry go on oh i was just about to say if you got any more i've got i've got two more i have got one more okay. uh which I'll, I'll go for so uh yeah my last one is um the artist suichi tarada who is a uh I believe a frequent collaborator with Shinichiro Yokota, um, who I gave a shout out to earlier in the podcast for uh, Tokonoma Style. And he is releasing uh, a new album called Asakusa Light. Um, I'm particularly excited because I love his game soundtrack work. In particular, the, the last uh, full-length album he released was the Ape Escape 3 Origin Ape soundtrack. Um, so yeah, he did the Apescape soundtracks, which are all amazing. Um, it'll probably be some really interesting deep house with maybe some like IDM vibes. Uh, this one will probably just be pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So the last two I wanted to mention, there's a new Trico record called Jadeki. Uh, it's got a picture of a dog on the front. What's not to love? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Trico. Fantastic math rock band uh yeah uh, i think uh i generally like their stuff but i think they're better live i think if you have the chance to see them live definitely go for it i think they're really fantastic uh, yeah yeah uh yeah i think they're one of the best live math rock bands and the final one i wanted to mention is there's a new record by 
sound artist and tape music guy Meite. It's called Kofu 2, the sequel to uh Kofu, which came out last year, which I didn't really like, to be honest. Uh but I don't know. I th- I think I I liked everything else he he's put out to date. So I don't know. Uh I'm hoping this one will be a bit better. But I think if you haven't heard it, um uh Kawachi and Kwaidan are both absolutely fantastic records I would highly recommend. Awesome. That's uh they I mean I absolutely love um Trico and uh you know the um the other album I haven't heard of at all. So <laughs> I will definitely check <laughs> I will definitely check the first one out and I will try and check the second one out because um yeah, we love, uh, we love we got to get for as much as you can coming into the end end of yeah, year stuff. absolutely. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. Right? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're all done. Um, if you have made it this far and you are listening to us now, if you could check out our website to uh, to find any links that you might be interested in uh, for these albums, uh, you can check us out at www.modulat.io or drop us a follow on Twitter. It's really helpful. Um, for us getting the getting the word out there that we are releasing these episodes um we're gonna be back in two weeks which is when the vinyl giveaway ends on the 23rd to record an end of year episode and then we'll probably have a week off <laughs> where we don't yeah. think about music for a little bit um because we've listened to a lot of albums this year yeah um, but yeah other than that thanks for listening yeah cheers <laughs>